Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Bloody Pasta. I'm your host Valentina. I hope you enjoy hearing Italian story and Italian murder as much as I love to research these cases and tell you all about it. Italy has always been considered a great country, an amazing country for landscape and food, but I mean every country has a dark side and I would like to introduce you to this dark side and learning about my country as well. So without further ado, I would like to welcome you to the dark side of Italy. Welcome to Bloody Pasta. Today we will travel to the south of Italy, in a region and a city that I never visited. When you will hear which city and which region, you will say, how is possible then Valentina you never visit? Well, life is different, right? So let's go. Some Italian cities have a such complex and rich history that is impossible to condensate in few lines. I have no word to describe Sicily and Palermo, so I will take someone else's description. Quote, to have seen Italy without having seen Sicily is not have seen Italy at all. Sicily is the clue of everything. I could not describe in words the vaporous luminosity that floated around the coast when we arrived in Palermo on that beautiful afternoon. The purity of the contours, the gentleness of the whole, the degradation of the tones, the harmony of the sky, the sea, the earth. Those who have seen them once will never forget them for a lifetime. This is how Goethe described Sicily and Palermo while visiting the island in 1787. I believe that you can fall in love with Palermo very easily. And that love can drive you crazy. So today's story is about one of these love. This will be a wide ride of he said and she said cases where the truth is not easy to establish and the only fact is murder. Elena Smeraldi with her amazing eyes and fearless attitude was born in Palermo in the 50, but she was raised in Rome. She spent in the capital her teenager years serving at a family restaurant. At only 17, she got married and have a kid. But five years later, she was already divorced. This never stopped her to dream bigger and wanting more for her life. It was 1980 when Elena's life will change forever. She met Giuseppe Lo Cicero a funeral director. He's from Sicily too, and with an infamous and powerful surname, since Lo Cicero is one of the Mafian clan. This will not be a story about Mafia. This will be a story about love, 
a love with a capital L, like Elena will describe in an interview. In 1990, Elena and Giuseppe will have their only child, Adriano, and the same year, they will get married. Few years later, the family decide to move back to Palermo to take up a new job opportunity. Elena's first child will remain in Rome. Elena and Giuseppe founded together a cooperative for gardening, cleaning, and all minor renovation. And Elena was the main administrator. Her life was revolving around the cooperative. Year passed, and in 2001, Elena is 49 years old and hired a new employee, Gianfilippo Marotta, 47 at the time. Gianfilippo was handyman for the cooperative. He loved his position and often took more responsibility and tasks. Gianfilippo did not only work for the company, but he developed a strong friendship with Elena. He would bring her kid to school or go food shopping with Helena or having breakfast together. So now you might think, oh my God, is this normal? Well, I'm telling you, such intimacy and mixing between work and private life is such a common practice in small working environment like the cooperative. Gianfilippo was often invited to family dinner and became a good friend of Giuseppe too. Giuseppe Lucicero had, unfortunately, for a long time, a drinking problem. And actually, he developed cirrhosis. And when Elena realized his issue, it was too late to save Giuseppe. Despite the debilitating condition, Elena and Giuseppe's love did not change. She was fighting for him and trying to find the best cure in a private hospital. She was still madly in love with him. Or at least is what she said. And it is in this point that the story becomes a little bit more complicated. Because Gianfilippo fell in love with Elena hardly and deeply. Everybody at cooperative was fully aware of Gianfilippo's feelings. He was full of attention for Elena, loving gesture and presence. His love was obvious. When he left his wife and kids for Elena, well, she was shocked and afraid and he separated for her. But Gianfilippo will deny and he left the family for her and still hardly tried to be with Elena. Now you might will think, will Elena reciprocate this love? They will might become lovers? This is a, such an easy question, but a, with a complicated answer. For the Italian justice, the only certainty is that Elena and Gianfilippo are the only two responsible for the brutal murder of Giuseppe Lucicero. 
the murder will take place the night between the 15th and the 16th of 2004. Giuseppe Lo Cicero, 47 at the time, had a smashed skull when he was found near the bed with a kitchen knife on his side. According to the coroner, he was killed by a blow from a ceramic and wooden sculpture. After a failed attempt of suffocating him with a plastic bag, and another uh, failed attempt to strangle him with, uh, with bare hand, and then strangulation with a belt of a ba- bathrobe. He was injected with a three volume dosage and one dosage of poison. He was definitely overkilled and he took more than 300 minutes to kill Giuseppe. That was an agony, it was almost torture. When the police arrived at Elena house in the early hours of Friday the 16th, they broke immediately Elena back to the station. Gianfilippo, who was not present in the house, arrived at the station three hours later. Both start to talk and confess immediately. Here will be a little bit complicated because they talk so much. So this will be Elena's first version. Logicero, who suffered from liver cirrhosis, was sickly in bed that evening. When she lay down with him, they suddenly start to fight. He suffered from incontinence but did not want to go to the bathroom and he was creating a mess on the bed. Quote, At one point he got up from under the mattress, pulled out a kitchen knife and tried to hit me. I reacted and then took the statuette of the Pietà which was on my side table. I hit him and he died. This was the story of Elena Smeraldi. A confession full of inconsistency which masked the murder with self-defense claims. There were blown stains on the knife next to Lo Cicero body to corroborate this story, but analysis denied it completely. There were no slash either on Elena or Giuseppe body. Only the statuette shot. At first, Gianfilippo Marotta supported Elena's statement. However, he quickly retracted. She is my lover. For the past 16 months, we have been in a romantic relationship. I took full responsibility. I kill him. He claimed they were they were see each other at work and Elena was quite passionate with him. In later deposition he will say that they had sex only five times in that sixteen months. But even later he will say that he cared so much about Giuseppe that he was willing to donate at least sixty percent 
of his liver to save Lo Cicero life. Yet he confessed to kill him. He claimed that Elena called him later that evening and he arrived at her house. He gave Giuseppe several dosages of Valium and pesticide. Everything was set to have sex with Elena on a kitchen counter. Somehow Giuseppe woke up, went to the kitchen and saw the lovers. Of course he attacked them. He drew a knife from, from the pocket and Giuseppe hit him repeatedly. Gianfilippo's story changes several times, but the substance doesn't. He is the only responsible. Quote, I tried with my hand to squeeze his neck. I was out of my mind. Failing, I went to the bathroom and I took the belt of a bathrobe and wrapped it around his neck and pulling on both sides. Elena passed me the statuette. I proceeded to smash it on his head while Elena held him by his feet. Third version. He was secretly in love with Elena but never acted on his feelings until one day. They were at the bar having breakfast as usual when he finally and suddenly found the courage to declare his love to Elena. At the trial he would say then she then turned to him and say and why you don't kiss me? A kiss. During their clandestine affair he saw Elena in pain and assuming then of course was her husband's fault. That night he decided to kill him while she was praying to Padre Pio. When asked if Gianfilippo was her lover, Elena replied, My lover? Oh, that is not true. I was the one who killed Giuseppe. Antonio Ingroia, the prosecutor, wanted to see it through took them both into custody and of course premeditated murder was taken in consideration more than self-defense. Elena will remain silent until March of the following year, 2005. Giuseppe on the other hand made so many other statements. Lo Cicero decided to fire Gianfilippo on the 14th morning and Elena communicated that to him. Quote, Lo Cicero had a drug record, but above all, he was a frightening figure. He was the relative of the well-known Lo Cicero mafia clan. However, there are still far too many things that do not add up in all these confessions. In a letter to his lawyer Angelo Rossi, four months after Gianfilippo's arrest, he wrote, quote, I had fallen in love with that woman. I was infatuated, but I never act on my feelings because I would have gone into serious trouble with Lucicero.
He claimed that he had not killed anyone, had never kissed Elena, but then he falsely accused himself of the murder because he loved her so much and it was too much to see her going to jail. In that moment, Elena decided to speak for the first time on March 30, 2005, after a full year in jail. Her version will be even stranger. She will start her confession by saying, Jesus Christ, I'm the only one who knows the truth. I want you to give me the lie detector. I'll tell you right now, lie detector is not at all a thing in Italy. Despite the fact she was fully aware of Gianfilippo's feelings, Elena never acted on them. Never kissed him, never been his lover, never cheated on her husband. Unfortunately, Giuseppe Lo Cicero's health was deteriorating so fast. She was a caregiver, a mother, a wife, and a businesswoman. And this can be exhausting and draining the energy of anyone. This was even corroborated to a close family friend. Elena was actually tired and on the edge in the month before the murder. And in the month before the murder, Gianfilippo Marotta's behavior became out of control. Elena and Giuseppe decided to limit his visit to the family home and try to create a boundary. Despite the wish to keep the distance, Gianfilippo remained one of those close friends and trusted people very close to Lo Cicero family. This is why Giuseppe gave Gianfilippo the house keys for 10 days during the winter holidays of 2004, since the family went for a short vacation and Gianfilippo took care of the dog. The dog. A grotesque detail in a grotesque story. That dog was stolen by Lo Cicero family a year earlier and the real owner will recognize the dog from the news and the dog came back to the real house. During the 10 days holidays, Gianfilippo had full access to the house. And upon their return, the house was in good status, but Elena noticed objects were moved and some piece of her underwear were missing. This put the family on the edge. Despite the creepy incident, Giuseppe Lucicero decided to not change the lock of the house. Or at least, this is what Elena said. We are now arriving on April 14th. Gianfilippo was going around the cooperative, gossiping about the relationship between him and Elena. This was la goccia che ha fatto trabuccare il vaso. The drop that broke the camel's back. She called him immediately in her office and fired him. He was shocked. 
dropped the keys, looked at her in the eyes and said, Remember, not one, but two funerals. Or at least, this is what Elena said that happened. Because he will deny, under oath, that all the incidents ever happened. But a witness corroborate Elena's side of the story. It's now the evening of the 14th, and Elena hosted a dinner with his employees, a close family friend, the Vaccaro family, the father and the mother and the kid. They often stopped by Elena and Giuseppe's house. Giuseppe didn't feel well, and he was lying down during the evening. After dinner, the Vaccaro took Elena's son back to their house so she could take care of Giuseppe during the night. Elena was still think about Gianfilippo and she felt so guilty to have fired him. So around 10 past 11 p.m. she calls him and asks him to come by the house. She will say she, she wants to talk to him about how move forward in the cooperative and especially to clarify the creepy statement. Remember, not one, but two funerals. I'm asking myself, why not talk over the phone? Or why not give him an appointment the next day? Well, Elena will say then she didn't want to meet Gianfilippo at the cooperative. He will say then she called him to have a romantic encounter. Nevertheless, Gianfilippo arrived at Elena's place. They talk about what happened that morning and she asked him to be supportive during that delicate time. He agrees to come back to the office and to be less obvious with his feelings. Or at least this is what Elena said. Because she doesn't remember much, she took sleeping pills with red wine. In her reconstruction, they drank a glass of red wine and Gianfilippo then leaves. She fell asleep, still dressed up, in her son's bed. Quote, then I only remember the image of a very agitated expression of Gianfilippo Marotta, who said those words to me. Help me, help me. Your husband came with a knife and you hit him with a statuette on his head. She went to the master bedroom to check on Giuseppe. She saw him lying in a pool of blood. Run to him, hold him tightly. Gianfilippo picked her up and threatened her immediately. If you don't take the responsibility of this murder, I will kill your son. She then ran to the kitchen where she took her phone and started to dial in. She would call family and friends. Vakar, of course, was the first. She called everybody, but not the emergency number. Marotta would have entered the house using a copy 
of the keys that Lucicero had given him that previous winter. He then disappeared before Vaccaro arrived. Actually, the Vaccaro family will be the one who called the authorities. She was convinced that her husband was still alive while she was calling everybody. Until later, when in custody, the police told her Giuseppe was actually dead. This will remain Elena's story throughout all the criminal proceeding. Both of them will remain in jail until the trial. Two trials actually will be held. Gianfilippo decided to take a summary judgment and with a summary judgment, life in prison is already ruled out. In his trial, he will testify that Elena was his accomplice in all aspects of the murder. He will be sentenced to 15 years, confirmed in all, dis- in all degrees. Elena will have a normal procedure. During her trial, the judges will state that Gianfilippo was completely disillusional. He actually fabricated the relationship with Elena and yet the same judges will consider his murder reconstruction acceptable. Why? Well, he helped during the investigation in findings key piece of evidence. At first degree, Elena will be sentenced to life. Later, this sentence will be changed to 24 years in prison. This happened in 2011. The same year, Elena will appear in a TV interview declaring her innocence and her love for Giuseppe Lo Cicero. This story drew my attention because of the craziness of all, the unclarity of all, And for me, the crazy part is there are no clear scientific evidence to link Elena to the murder of his husband. In my personal opinion, it's a little bit crazy how how the judge will consider Gianfilippo completely disillusioned and still accept his reconstruction. I believe, though, that they are both implicated in Giuseppe Lo Cicero's murder. The sentence for Elena is completely on a different scale compared to Gianfilippo. For me, this story is important to say because sometimes love and feelings can drive you in very dark places and be the motive for the most heinous crimes. The idea that Giuseppe was overkilled and tortured for 300 minutes by two people then he was so close with his. Since I started this episode with a quote, I would like to end with one, and it is a poem. I love you. I hate you. I like you. I hate you. I love you. I think you are stupid. I think you're a loser. I think you're wonderful. I want to be with you. I don't want to be with you.
I would never date you. I hate you. I love you. I think the madness started the moment we met and you shook my hand. Did you have a disease or something? This was a poem from Shannon Adler. So this is where our story for real ends. And please follow me at Bloody Pasta Podcast on Instagram. Hear you in two weeks for an Italian case or next week for a quick pasta where we're going to talk about policing around the world. Ciao, guys.